First original Iris Marlowe song that you remember? I honestly think about it all the time. It was a pop song. I remember that. And I uh -huh. remember, will you love me? Will you love me through the night? Through the night? Will you make sure? Will you make sure I'm all right? I'm all right. And then I like had this chorus. It was so bad. But yes, I do remember the first song. How, ever. how old? And, and how old were you when you wrote that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like six i've been playing piano That's... since i was three but yeah. it, I was on this like, episode oh, of playtime i visit with singer songwriter iris marlowe i'm your host author artist and playwright wc kirk If you haven't heard of Iris Marlowe, just wait. Prolific just barely captures the sheer volume of her hook-ready originals. The haunting title track from her first 2019 album, Savannah, and the beautiful White Magnolias are just two standouts. The album is notable for its simplicity, predominant guitar, and Marlowe's haunting voice, emphasizing ocean-deep emotion. Savannah also features an early version of Make Up Your Mind off of her third and upcoming album. The final track, Start Over, offers a prelude to her 2020 follow-up, Winter Solace. With Solace, Marlowe flexes her band and arranging muscles. Winter Solace includes a personal favorite, smoky and sultry, Put Your Records On, and the introspective, blood is thicker home released last year is the first single off of her new upcoming album it's a western themed album inspired by spaghetti westerns and the occult her website is irismarlow.com and iris i'm thinking of actual spaghetti westerns the kind i grew up on made in italy by italians that were dubbed often really awfully uh, in English, so I'm, I'm thinking of Good, Bad, and the Ugly, yeah. <laughs> A Fistful of Dollars, uh, and this classic, which I which I, I found again online and watched this morning, If You Meet Sartana, Pray For Your Death from 
It's too good to believe. You're the cleverest man of them all. I did it all for us, Evelyn. We've got to get out of town with the wagon. Before dawn. It's a, you know what, I'll link to it in the notes here as well, uh, so other people can check it out. It's so bad, it's good. It's oh, it's like right mystery, up my alley, I love that kind of stuff. So. It's like Mystery <laughs> Science 3000 stuff, where you can, you can sort of narrate comedically along with the action on screen. Perfect. <laughs> so, the occult and, and spaghetti westerns, which, which I thought were sort of two different things, and then I was re-watching... <laughs> Uh, if you meet Sartana, pray for your death again. There are some really dark and deep occult themes that play through them. Were you angling for a bridge between the occult and, and spaghetti westerns, or or were you trying to comment on each separately? Well, so when I started writing this country album, I really was looking back on like old Western movies. Mm -hmm. And I love the show Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. It's one of my all time favorite shows. And when I started writing the record, I was like, what if I wrote a country Western album mixed with Twin Peaks yeah. and mixed with kind of like the occult and a little bit of scarier themes. I wanted to write a more storytelling album. Yeah. One that isn't based off of really my life whatsoever. I grew up in a really small town where like, religion is ingrained and it's you're in fear of the occult and the concept of hell so i mm -hmm. wanted to like uh, now that i live in the city and i'm you know i i'm not really bound by religion at all i wanted to write a record that brought out the fear kind of 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 the occult and kind of demonic storylines mixed with something that i grew up also being around which was western so i was uh -huh. like that's kind of where the the blend came together and I was like, I want to write about something that used to scare me when I was yeah, little, yeah. that now it's such an interesting topic. And from what I know, no one really writes country music about, you know, demons that eat cowboy souls and stuff, <laughs> but, you know, like yeah, that's probably a short list. It needed to be, you know, filled that, that uh, genre, that category, I guess. Uh, so, and we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit later, but, uh, but you, um, you, you, you've covered the mamas and the papas. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you've, you're talking here about, about old spaghetti westerns. You, you've got kind of an old soul. I would say I have an old soul with modern day yeah. like views, I would yeah. say. I, yeah. love the, I love the fashion, but you know, if you put me in the 60s, I can't read a map. So I wouldn't survive. <laughs> like I would, you know. <laughs> I got it. I got it. But uh, I do love like older sounding music and yeah. something that was really important with writing this album yeah. is we wanted to make it sound vintage. Yeah. So yeah, their old soul kind of trickling through a little bit. <laughs> and and I've heard now I've heard of a, a pretty fair amount of the album. You kind of you kind of find the balance. So you you actually do find the balance between between that that vintage sound uh, and and a new sound. 
sort of like a like a Lana Del Rey kind of uh, kind of sound. Who's who's one of her. yeah? Who's one of your influences? I saw. You dream of a place where you can go, where the devil bid the all goodbye. You flee to a place where nobody knows how to find Do you have a title for the new album yet? I do. I actually, this will be the first time I've ever really mentioned it because it, uh-huh. it's getting close to release. So at uh-huh. this point, I'm just going to spoil everything. You know, I don't really care at this point about spoilers, but the album will be called Where the Devil Bid the Owl Goodbye. Uh-huh. I wanted a storytelling kind of title to, and it's the opening track. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool is um, that title actually came from kind of a legend uh-huh. My, my hometown, my mom used to take us out to the woods and there was a house that her aunt, her great aunt grew up in that it was so scary. The devil bid the owl goodbye when he would go visit the house. So that's where that, and I wrote this, as soon as I thought about that saying, I was like, oh, I'm going to write about kind of this like demon that lives in the desert. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's where the whole inspiration came from. So it was the only title I could think of because the album is so... It's like a hodgepodge of all different kinds of country sounds too. So I was like, I just, it just is so weird that I was like, yeah. it has to be. <laughs> I grew up in small towns, and they all have those, those the house. little the, the <laughs> yeah, house. They have the house, or the or the farm, or the barn that's abandoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or the or the old the old overgrown graveyard. And oh yeah, we yeah. had one that was called like I can't remember if it was called New Salem Cemetery or Old Salem Cemetery, but it was super haunted. So yeah, every small town has those like weird legends, yeah, houses yeah. or graves and stuff like that. You started out writing really young, like three <laughs> years old. I'm told. Yeah, you wrote your first song. Do you rem? What is what's the first original Iris Marlowe song that you remember? I honestly think about it all the time. It was a pop song. I remember that, and I uh-huh. remember I used to play the piano a lot, so uh-huh. it's horrible. But I would go on it, and I'd be like, 
Will you love me? Will you love me through the night? Through the night? Will you make sure? Will you make sure I'm all right? I'm all right. And then I like had this course. It was so bad. But yes, I do remember the first time. How, how old and, and how old were you when you wrote that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like six. I've been playing piano That's... since I was three. But yeah. it, I was like, oh, I'm going to be like this pop person. So I yeah. was like just sitting and writing the worst pop music on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty astounding Even for, for, but well, I don't, I don't think I could write that well lyrically now. <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to think I definitely have gotten better at songwriting since then. I, I do like my songs a lot better than that person. <laughs> <laughs> writing is cathartic for you. Oh yeah. It, it's your, it's the voice that you speak to the, to the world. Through. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of you in songs like, need me uh, i'd mm -hmm. love to start there talking about that that sort of catharsis and 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 an emotional work through through the music i'm confused in love with us chasing something at all cost just to always be let down by those who Glad you brought up Need Me because that's actually probably one of my favorite songs I've ever written. A lot of the times I'm a very internal person. Mm -hmm. I I'm not very confrontational and I I kind of keep to myself. So when I go through certain life experiences, how I get through it is kind of writing it out and then mm -hmm. the emotion mm -hmm. is gone. And a lot of my writing for the first two albums was very like internal and things I was going through. Yeah. And it helped me get through a lot of, you know, like turmoil. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what's really cool now is I'm writing from, from like a happier place, which is like a new experience. So it is like songs like Need Me are really like Need Me I wrote in about 10 minutes. And mm -hmm. it was just such like, I feel like it comes through me like these, the, the, the kind of like wave of the emotions when I write it out. And some, there's a lot of songs that I write out that are like that, that will mm -hmm. never see the, the light of day just because they're a little bit too personal. And mm -hmm. I think people would know who I'm writing about, you know, <laughs> I have to think about that too. I guess I wanted to ask you this then, coming from from that first song to to a song like Need Me or Home, uh, which which is another really deeply introspective, <laughs> uh, introspective song by you. Yeah. Um, when, when did that, was it a crossover? Was it a moment that you, that you realized the importance or or the uh, the therapeutic aspect of of songwriting for you? I think so. When I first started songwriting, a lot of my songs were I personally feel like I was holding back on a lot <laughs> of things, and it's, I realized as soon as I just wrote exactly how I'm feeling and <laughs> not not using you know symbolism or all this stuff some of the lyrics are really simple like home all the lyrics are really simple but mm -hmm. 
there's something that's so relatable. And I think when you write from that place, it just stands out more. So I think with writing songs like Need Me and Home, in comparison to in the past, I would kind of restrict myself from how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote Home, it just, I didn't stop myself. And I just really let whatever I was feeling come out. Home is where the heart is when you look past what's real And what's a faded memory I'll try to look beyond it But I'm just plain tired of reaching For something that's not real you can drag me through the fires, but I'm never coming home, home. I can leave the past behind me, cause I'm never coming home, home. I'm never coming home. I'm never coming home I'm never coming home hmm. And I think that's why those songs Was it a was it a was it a, a conscious decision or was it sort of like pulling the cork off of a bottle where it it, it popped and then and then it's it's out in the world You're out in the world I think, um, especially, I love that you mentioned Blood is Thicker because that's, that's personally one of the hardest songs I ever wrote because it was mm -hmm. so, such a personal, the lyrics are really personal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it did take, I would actually say writing Blood is Thicker was probably the first song that I was really just like, why am I holding back? And as soon as I let it go, like let go of like kind of the restrictions I was putting on myself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, I can move on from my experiences by like laying this out and feeling better. And, and what's great is sometimes those songs tend to be the ones yeah. that people like because yeah. they're, they help other people too. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was difficult kind of leading up to the point of, deciding you know i'm not going to restrict myself but once i did it now i write songs about any inconvenience <laughs> that comes my way. yeah re remind me not to make you angry at the grocery store <laughs> you can say blood is thicker than water but i know better Coping ain't easy 
But I feel so free You can't say anything about me Cause I'm a stranger An anomaly um, but so, so Blood Is Thicker was was a bit of an epiphany for you as as a as a singer songwriter. Oh, for sure, yeah. It was, it was just, um, it was just a weird. The song lyrics definitely speak about you know family and kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So I think it was the start of writing about you know not feeling like you fit in and, yeah, yeah. and things. And then as you get older, you realize like. Why am I holding back to protect, you know, people or, you know, other friends or anyone that is hurting me? Why am I protecting them by yeah. not expressing myself? Yeah. So it, it's hard for me as a, in general, as a part, like in real life to express how I feel because I'm very internal. So music does help me in that department for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, with, with regards to, to your lyricism, they, they feel very purposeful. And, and I bring that up. I was just, uh, just doing a, a, a chat with uh, Steve March Torme. Uh, Mel Torme's son, who's who's got a, a, a really wonderful um, album out so far, and uh, that's the name of the album. It's not that he's he's just gone so far. That's the name of the <laughs> album. We were talking about the Peter Jackson piece on the Beatles, "Get Back," mm-hmm. and and how they improved the lyrics, mm-hmm. uh, where they they might have had a line, maybe they didn't, maybe they had it had a guitar riff or, or a melody or, or a bridge or something, something in mind. And, and then they just improved through it. And then I, I guess you hope at the end that the song makes some sense mm-hmm. for, for a lot of us who, who find meaning and comfort and shelter and solace in lyrics that we think are maybe written purposely for a heartbreak or, or a, a moment in our life, uh, an important or pivotal moment in our life. That improvisation mm-hmm. is a little bit of a betrayal. It's sort of like going to the, to the Emerald city and for the first time realizing <laughs> that the man behind the curtain is really odd. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's kind of shocking, but your, your lyrics feel much more purposeful yeah i uh i have written songs improvising yeah and you know i like them like i will say the opening song for this new album was definitely improvised i just was Mm -hmm. playing this like on my banjo and just kind of singing a story about Mm -hmm. this like scary like location but a lot of my songs i feel like when i when i because i am not I'm not someone who improvises ever. I'm a very calculated and planned out person. So I don't even, I have been playing guitar for 10 plus years. And if someone asked me to improvise a solo, I would jump off the stage. Like I am not someone who ever has played that way, writes that way. I can, but lyrics to me are the most important part of my songs. Oh, I love hearing that. When I write, I just... 
I don't want to write things that have no value, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. not that there's a lot of great impro improvising with musicians and stuff. I just yeah, feel if yeah. I were to write it, it would yeah. just be not authentic and it yeah, would probably yeah. it just wouldn't have a flow. I don't know. So lyrics, I will sit and have an idea. Maybe I'll like I'll pull out my phone and I'll sing something into it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that has an improvised line and then I'll go back to it and then write a much more, yeah. you know. <laughs> like a better revision of that. Let's uh, let's talk about your rendition of "I Put a Spell on You," uh, the 1956 <laughs> song uh, from from the great Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yes. Um, by by the way, there's there's a really great story behind that song. You may know um, because because you, you you actually recorded the song and um, that he originally wanted to record the song as as a love as a refined kind of kind of toned down love song a, a blues ballad I didn't know that actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I have a quote here somewhere uh, oh here it is he says however the producer Arnold Maxim brought in ribs and chicken and got everybody drunk and we came out with this weird version. I don't even remember making the record before I was just a normal blues singer. I was just Jay Hawkins. It, was, it all sort of fell into place. I found out I could do more destroying a song and screaming it to death. I put a spell on you. Which is which is just a phenomenal. That's brilliant! I had I have never heard that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so you you credit uh, the Nina Simone version as your inspiration for for the song, mm -hmm. e even though I'm not hearing Nina Simone or Screaming Jay Hawkins, I'm hearing a hundred percent Iris Marlowe. It feels like <laughs> you wrote the song. I, I I had like a couple of choices for a cover I wanted to do because I've never yeah. put out a cover previously. Yeah, yeah. And it was House of the Rising Sun. Uh, I put a spell on you. And then there's this other song that I really want to get to. It's called um, Saunders Ferry Lane. It's a really weird and creepy old. Uh, it's it's just such an odd song. Mm -hmm. But. I had like only two months until Halloween. And I was like, I want to put out a scary and weird uh -huh. cover. And so I had those three choices and I eventually was like, you know what I want to do? I put a spell on you. It just, it feels like we could do something interesting with it. And Vince was, uh, Vince, my guitarist, he was mm -hmm. very excited too. And when we started kind of playing it together, it turned into like, I don't want to say that it's like a completely original, you know, cover but i haven't heard a cover quite like it we made it kind of jazzy and slow yeah, and yeah kind of like i would say a little seductive at the same time 
as soon as we started like rehearsing it and putting it together, I was just so, so excited. I was like, this was like, yeah. I feel like I was meant to put this out as a cover kind of thing. It just felt so perfect. I put a spell on How many how many takes did it uh, did did you go through to to get that that recording because it feels like it just flowed. So the guitar takes I want to say it was like two or three takes, but wow. vocals okay. I did only one take of vocals. I wow. just went into the booth and yeah. I just I felt that it was perfect, and anything else I would do would be you know a disservice mm-hmm. to the song. Like I just went in and I I you know had this like confident energy yeah. and. Yeah. I felt that when I stepped out, I was like, that's, that's it. Like, wow. it just, it's not going to get better than that. <laughs> uh, since, since we're here and, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, let's talk influences. You've covered songs by, as, as I said earlier, the Mamas and the Papas, California Dreamin', which is a, a personal favorite of, of mine of theirs, uh, and Johnny Cash, just to name a couple of, of, mm-hmm. of the covers. Those retro classic influences shine in what I want to know with these Supreme-esque hooks. Yeah. Uh, but you you also have, again, that vocal quality of Lana Del Rey that comes through that that I think contemporizes that, that piece. It, it's a really, I, I hadn't heard it before. And when I was listening to it the other day, I was just blown away. discredit pop music in general. I love pop music. Yeah, Some of my yeah. biggest inspirations, like when I wrote I, What I Want to Know, I, I was like, I want a song like a Whitney Houston type of song. Like uh-huh, I want a song uh-huh. that's just really fun and 
it was put out during 2020. I was like, I just want to put out a song that people can have fun listening to. Like, <laughs> what? it's just funny because sometimes I forget it's out just because it's not like, it's kind of a hidden gem. Uh-huh. Um, but I agree. It does have like a lot of older influences, but uh-huh. I definitely wanted to kind of stay modern and pop music tends to be a little bit on the higher range and I do not have a high singing voice. So that is the hardest song to sing for me because it's just in a range that I don't normally sing in. I have to tell you this story. There's a line in your 2021 song, Forever Starts Today, that goes, I miss you forever. Mm -hmm. In 1994, amid the siege of Sarajevo, my wife Anna and I took advantage of of a foggy day where, where there was no shelling and no shooting to visit the bombed out National Library. I was preparing to escape the city like that week, even, even after we had fallen in love and, and, and I doubted that we would ever see each other again. Had I, had I left, I had plans. I was going, there was a war in Chechnya. I was going to go to Chechnya. And then from there, I was going to try to try to get into, uh, Uh, Afghanistan. I I was, I I was sort of hooked on war and I told her I loved her amid, amid that, that scene, uh, amid the rubble of, of the national library. And with tears flowing down both of our cheeks, I told her that I would miss her forever. But in, in the song, you, you add a little, a little hook to that line. I'll miss you forever. And it starts today that you're saying goodbye. It's, it's just such a powerful, powerful piece. I'll miss you forever, forever while I'll miss you forever, and it starts today Starts today, starts today I'll miss you forever On my window pane, summer's long and gone, but I still feel the same. That is, thank you for sharing that story. That, like, that's stuff like that makes me really, I don't know, it's it's very touching to know that, you know, lyrics can relate, you know, have stories for other people that they're, relate they're, to their lives. They're very, very important. That's just a very touching story that that made my day. (laughs) What is the story behind that song? That song is kind of written about a lost potential Mm -hmm. relationship. Yeah. And you missing kind of the idea of what that could have been. Yeah. It's more of a what could have been type of song. So you're kind of wishing and hoping and like you come up with these ideas of what Mm-hmm. someone is and then you kind of keep manifesting that in your day and you think about them i mean obviously sometimes the people i write about don't deserve such beautiful inspired words <laughs> <laughs> written about them. but you said you you're you're kind of you're kind of writing for for yourself for your own yeah, for your own healing and your own your your own autobiography even make up your mind yeah, yeah. like the backstory is sad about that too but then i just it, it helps me get over things. Like it was, I just kept getting, you know, stood up by someone. And then I went home and I just wrote, make up your mind and like 
10 minutes mm-hmm. and I brought it to my sound engineer and it was like the saddest sounding song because the lyrics are really they're not like super uplifting but then my sound engineer was like oh you should try making this a country song and yeah. I was like oh no yeah. I'm not doing that no way uh-uh no and then I came back to next week and I was like actually you know what yeah <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> like it's interesting when like songs I wrote about maybe not the greatest people I've had interactions with, they still come out really beautiful. And that's kind of how, you know, it helps me kind of move past certain things when Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. when I get to create something beautiful from chaos or something, you know, (laughs) uh, you, you do time and time again. Um, let's spend a little bit of time on, on the new album, shed your skin, which you, you shared with me ahead. And is, is it all right? If I, if I give folks a little, snippet of a, of a preview yeah, okay yeah. say goodbye to the girl you know say goodbye to a pretty soul left the nest to free a bones you will die with nothing to show wander through It, it has this spaghetti western guitar riff. Um, yeah, a little bit of the echo helps, but uh, with these moody, otherworldly lyrics, uh, say goodbye to the girl you know, say goodbye to a pretty soul, left the nest to free your bones. And then all of a sudden, the song breaks into this driving guitar and <laughs> snapping yeah. snare drum. That is one of the cleanest sharpest snare sounds i've i've heard on on any record it's it's really wonderful um wow i I appreciate that my sound engineer i'm gonna tell him that you said that we worked a lot on those drums to try to get them to sound clean on the record and they pop they're tuned perfectly and and again vince sandry tar player yes he's he's listening here and i heard him i heard him chuckling back there (laughs) that was inspired Thank you. I, uh, I wrote that song of another like weird life event. And I just was like, you know what? Like I wrote the song to be like, if in order to be the best person of yourself, you have to shed people, things, events, you know, that tie you down. So that song is a lot about moving on from things like that. So I appreciate that you really like that song because it's one of my favorites on the new album. <laughs> to the detriment of, uh, of another, another song that you sent me that I'm going to play uh, and listen to more closely, 
but I just I just love this song so much. I, I I had to keep listening to it. I played it again and again and again. It, oh, I love it's, that. It's, it's it's an astounding song. So who who plays drums on that? Uh, his name is Chris Sanchez. He's okay. a, a local drummer in the area. Yeah. He yeah. is phenomenal. Like every every he is in the record a lot, and everything he does is just unreal. Like he is yeah. just unbelievable on the drums he brings a whole new level to songs mm -hmm. that i didn't think could be reached so yes his name is chris sanchez he's amazing and then uh you have uh, you have a string player that uh, that accompanies you on on a couple of songs yeah her name is hannah watson um mm -hmm. we met through facebook and i was i when i wrote need me i was like i need to find a violinist i don't know any violinists and i found her through facebook and she is just unbelievable too i got to work yeah, with yeah. some just incredibly talented and seasoned musicians that are just i'm so grateful to have these talented folks on the record so <laughs> it, it's it, it's a wonderful accompaniment to to a great great talent now did you write out or or did you work with vince on on writing uh what sounds like uh, a really refined and structured solo or mm -hmm. or was that improv well, actually, Vince and I co-wrote um, music for one song in the album, yeah, but okay. for most of all the other songs, I write out the music and how I think it's going to sound. Uh -huh. And then when you bring in other musicians, they add a lot to yeah. sounds that you didn't even think about. So when I wrote Shed Your Skin, I didn't expect it to be a rock song, like a rock country song at first. Yeah, and yeah. then Vince was doing these great solos for it. Um, <laughs> He basically comes in. It's it's actually quite unfair. He'll come into the studio and he just lays down like ten different perfect solos, and you and they're wow. all different. So you just have to kind of like cherry pick which one works the best. But he just yeah. comes in like like it's like a prodigy, and he just lays it down. So I think he has like some things planned, but for the most part, he for these solos, he just came in and like killed like ten different takes. That's that's impressive. Uh, it, it it sounds it, it fits it fits the mood and and movement of the song so perfectly. It it feels like uh, you know I, I was just talking with Martin Barr from Jethro Tull, and he was contrasting the the management style between Ian Anderson, who 
scripted and wrote, wrote everything. He was on top of everything. He managed, super managed every little little piece of of the recording and 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 music writing aspect of Jethro Tull. So then Martin went and and recorded a song with Paul McCartney, and he said, "Well, just start playing. Let's see. Let's see what happens." He was he was very much about playing in the moment. Martin really gravitated towards towards that interactive management style of, of Paul McCartney, as opposed to the strict, this is how it is, this is how I want it, uh, militaristic kind of, kind of management philosophy of, <laughs> of uh, Ian Anderson. I, I'm wondering, because these albums bear your name and the music is about you, it, it sounds like you have more of that Paul McCartney aspect how do you decide as as the manager uh, of your of your sound where where that line is where what you say has to be um has to be as it is and where you allow a little bit of leverage i think um at, when i first made savannah i was I, w- I wasn't good at taking advice on mm-hmm. what should be added to songs. When mm-hmm. I first started mm-hmm. writing Savannah, I, at the time, which I would never do this now, I was like, I just want an all acoustic album. I don't want any other instruments. I want, you know, I just mm-hmm. want it to be a very simple album. I want it to be this, this, and this. Which uh, I think, by the way, is is the strength of that. I, I started working with my sound engineer and he mm-hmm. would make suggestions. And sometimes I would be like, I don't want this. But we got a really good back and forth together now that we've worked yeah. for so long yeah. that we both give and, you know, we take, give each yeah. other advice. And like, there's not really a lot of, I'm very much more open to putting mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. onto songs now than I used to be. Mm-hmm. So with this album, I'd be like, oh, we're just, we're going to put a mandolin here. Awesome. We're going to put a banjo here. Sure. We can try it. I'm much more open okay. now trying things as yeah. long as it stays in the realm of what the song kind of flows like yeah i'm i'm much more open to ideas and suggestions yeah and i think me and my uh my sound engineer we just have a really good working relationship mm-hmm. and i think he doesn't push for ideas that i say no to yeah. and then yeah, yeah. i but he he knows when to push for the right thing and i think okay. we're both like i'm not super stern about suggestions and i'm i'm not like quick to say no mm-hmm. but there's a there there's a trust factor and a relationship factor mm-hmm. that you that that it sounds like is necessary for you that you need to be able to trust and, and that comes through through a little bit of of time and experience uh and mm-hmm. working with somebody to understand their their instincts yeah i mean there's there's still times where like suggestions i will just straight up say no because i can like feel it in my like gut like I think mm-hmm. when we were recording Cowboy Chords, originally um, my sound engineer was like, "Oh, we should put drums on this," and I straight up was like, "No drums." Mm-hmm. So sometimes I will, I will interject only because yeah. there'll be certain songs I feel so strongly for, and Cowboy yeah. Chords was one of them. That in yeah. my head I was like, "There's no drums. There will never be drums on here." Yeah. But then we'll we'll put on um, the ending song. Originally it just kept branching out. Like when we were in the studio, we just kept adding more and more and more. And I think in the past I would have been like, 
no, this is too much. But mm -hmm. now I, every layer was just so interesting and mm -hmm. I'm much more, there is a good, there's a fine line because you, certain songs need simplicity. And so yeah, you want to yeah. make sure that those stay that way. And then there's certain songs that have kind of the openness that you can fill and experiment with. So I've been a lot, I've been a lot better at just like being more go with the flow to a certain mm -hmm. extent, but having the same flow of the song and the meaning stay consistent because that's important to me too home tells the story of of outgrowing uh, a small town mm -hmm. and yes. how how are you doing in chicago and because your sound just gets better and better and better every album which is which is astounding because because savannah is a great album are you thinking beyond chicago at some point I, it's a dream of mine to go on like a small tour and yeah, hopefully yeah. with this new album, I'll be able to go on like a small tour. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, it's hard because I am like completely self-funded. So everything I make is like from my own pocket and it's harder to plan kind of big events and big things with that. Mm -hmm. I would love to go on tour sometime this summer after the album comes out. That's like the next big thing I want to plan. And then from there, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm very, I would love to go on tour with like a band or something. I could else see you going over. over. I could see you going over big in Europe. I would love that. I would yeah. play anywhere. Honestly, you could put me, I honestly, I will play anywhere. Nice. <laughs> Iris Marlowe, the new album is Where the Devil Bid the Owl Goodbye. It's out in mm -hmm. April. -ish. I I believe it's gonna be late May at this point because okay. there's a little bit. I want to do one more music video. So okay. we're gonna kind of push it back just a little bit. Yeah, well, maybe you'll come back and we'll we'll go through it song by song. That would be awesome. The oh. album is gonna I think you're really gonna like it. There's a lot of cool and hidden gems in it. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the finished product. I'm I'm already in love with uh, with what you've uh, you've sent over. Her website is Iris Marlowe. That's with an E. dot com. Watch the space. You will not be disappointed. Thank you so much, Iris. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. It's always it's always a blast uh, talking to you and. Uh, uh, and, and and knowing Vince is lurking in the background. <laughs> He's literally like right where you generally can see him. <laughs> the sun sets in the west. I'd like to thank Iris Marlowe for joining me on this episode. A link to Iris's music is below. And please don't forget to click the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. I'm W.C. Turk, and thank you for joining me. For us to carry on, so I guess it's bad to travel alone for me. You got me singing cowboy chords.
Pack your bags and get on with the show Turn your back on what you know All the times are changing No matter what I'm saying So I'll learn to walk This path alone for me You got me singing cowboy chords Early on in the morn You got me singing out of key Keep singing for some.